Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message. Good to be with you guys. Um, I, it's such an honor to be here. Um, I, I raised my hand when he said, if you've been here five years ago. Now, I wasn't part of your church five years ago, but I did come to this church five years ago. And uh, I got to participate in a worship service over in the youth facility. And uh, it is amazing. My, what the Lord has done. Am I right? Amen. What the Lord has done. I want to thank uh, Pastor Travis and uh, Pastor Matt and uh, Pastor Javi and all the other team for, for inviting me out and um, just a, a good time. Uh, the, the Lopez's um, kids are in our church, Karina uh, and Bronson, and we love them, and, and they're amazing, and they've just rolled up their sleeves, and they, they're a part, and they're, they're in. They're, they're not like, they're not waiting on the fringes. They're in, and uh, I love it. <clears throat> I want to say... Um, you know, as a pastor, sometimes there's things you can't say yourself, and so, uh, but there is things you can say on behalf of another pastor. And so I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to say, um, <clears throat> make sure you honor Pastor Travis. Make sure you honor him. Idaho is a, uh, now my family roots are actually from Kimberly. They homesteaded there years ago, and, and my, my grandfather was the only one that left. But, but Idaho is a very divided state. Uh, like, in, in all reality, when we say we're from North Idaho, we don't mean we're from South Idaho. Like, we don't mean, we, you know, when, they, when people say they're from Northern Idaho, they mean they are different than everybody from the Treasure Valley and Magic Valley. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And, and when people say they're from eastern Idaho, they're making very clear they're not from western Idaho. It's a very divided state. In fact, economically, there's really three capitals in Idaho. There's uh, Boise, there's Spokane, and there is Salt Lake City. <laughs> you know, you know like, <laughs> by the very nature of the people that Idaho attracts, we are divisive people. We are people that stand on our own, and we don't want people in our backyard. And I would say that the greatest hindrance to your, your church's effectiveness in this community is allowing that sort of that inner divisiveness that is us as Idahoans to infiltrate the church. I would say for your church to reach the levels that God has designed for you, you need to embrace unity and honor like you never have before. And I would say, honor your pastor, get behind your pastor, don't contend for your differences. First Timothy says to give double honor to those that serve in the word. And I would say, uh, if, if I was you, and I wanted to see God's kingdom come, don't, don't be a self-made man or a self-made woman. Instead, get behind your pastor, get behind this church, and you'll see great things happen here in Rupert. Well, as I get into my, my text today, I, uh, I want to preface it with two stories out of Scripture. The first is this. In Luke chapter 10, uh, there's, this, there's this story of uh, Jesus coming into a village. He, he meets two girls, but the Bible says it's really interesting language. It, it says that as he's walking uh, down the road, it says, and Jesus entered a 
a certain village. I think it's interesting that Jesus never enters a random village. Like Jesus never just shows up and it just happens to be. But Jesus enters a certain village and meets some certain girls and enters a certain house. He, he's always intentional. I, I want you to know today that if, if you've encountered Jesus, it was not just a random set of events that set you up for a relationship with God. It was that he met you, that he showed up at a certain time, in a certain place to encounter you, to meet your needs, to be a part of your life. He comes to certain villages. And when he shows up in this certain village, the Bible says uh, that these two girls, Mary and Martha, they, they run out, uh, out of their home to go meet Jesus. And, and uh, as they're meeting him, they, they bring him into their home, and, and Jesus begins to teach, and and. Uh, his words are life, and his, his words are meaning, and his words are powerful, and his words are truth. And, and, and as he's teaching inside of a home, the crowds that would follow Jesus began pushing their way into the home. The Bible says that what happens is, is that as, as Jesus is teaching, uh, there's a crowd of people all sitting around listening to him. And one of these sisters, her name is Martha, starts uh, making sure that everyone is good. She plays the role of a hostess really well. She's doing a, a great job making sure that, that everybody is good and everybody has what they need and uh, every, everything, everyone has, uh, like, you, know, you need water over here, you need, you know, Alka-Seltzer, like anybody needs some Pepto-Bismol. She's taking, she's taking care of everybody's needs. She's, she's in the kitchen cooking some, some biscuits for people. She's, she's getting everyone set so that it's a comfortable environment for Jesus to teach in. I want you to know we need people in the house of God that make it a comfortable environment. We need people that are willing to give up their time and their talents and their, their abilities to create a, a, a great experience in the house of God. But, but as, she's, as she's doing this, as she's busy once again, she's, she's, she's busy uh, doing all these things, making everyone happy, she, she looks over and she sees her sister, Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus and ain't doing nothing. You ever done that? Like, you, 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 ever, you ever work really hard in the kitchen and, like, nobody else is ever helping out? Like, you just, you just working really hard and you look, you just like, I just wish they would help me. Anybody ever know what that's like? Like, I have no idea what that's like. I, when it comes to the kitchen, I'm the laziest person you've ever met, you know, but like, but, I'm so sorry. but like, but that's where she's at, she, she's frustrated, she said, Jesus, tell my sister to come help me, tell her to come help me work, and she, he says, he says, you know, Martha, Mary, Mary has actually chosen a better part right now, like what, what she chose was better, she chose to, to simply sit at my feet. And you hear my voice. The next time we encounter these, these girls is in John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, it's a, it's a little bit different story. So in, in John chapter 11, they've reached out to Jesus and they said, Jesus, our brother Lazarus is dying. You need to come and heal him. If you don't show up, we don't know what will happen. Like It's going to be 
the worst. Like, he's going to die if you don't show up. And, and Jesus' response is, uh, you know, basically, I'll get there when I can. And it says that he actually takes his time. He actually takes another four days before he returns to the village to go, uh, go minister to this dying man named Lazarus. And it's a terrible experience when you've prayed and your prayers are not answered. In this moment, these girls have, have called out to God. That They're crying out to God for an answer to their prayers. And their prayers are falling on what seemed to be deaf ears. Now, I don't know about you, but I, there's been times in my life when I, I, I gave it my all praying, and I gave it my all relying on God like the church people told me to. And I gave it my all trying to, trying to, trying to ask Him to intervene in a situation, and yet it sounded like it was falling on deaf ears. It seemed as though He was not answering and He wasn't present. I want you to know something. God is always active. Like God is always doing something. And even when he's not doing something, he's not doing something because he's setting up for something he's about to do. Like even when God rests, he's doing something. So if you're praying and you're not hearing answers to your prayers, you can rest assured that God is doing something. He's at work, even in his silence. And so Jesus ends up showing up. He, he comes to these girls uh, to their home. And, and when, he, when he arrives, they tell him, you know, he, he's already dead. Like Lazarus has been dead for days. You, 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 don't need to, you don't need to show up. And the Bible says that Mary, the one that was sitting at Jesus' feet, that she actually goes into a different room and just sits down crying. And Martha runs out to meet Jesus, and as she meets him, she says, Lord, if, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus, he says, no, you don't understand. He, said, he says, Martha, he's, he's going to rise again. And, and being the great uh, theologically constructed person that she was, she says, yes, I, I understand. He will rise again in the last days. And she didn't realize Jesus had bigger plans for Lazarus than rising again in the last day. And then the Bible says that Mary then goes out to, to meet him. and uh, It says the mourners are all there. The, and the mourners think that Mary is, it doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. They think that she's gone off to go be with Lazarus. And instead she, she turns towards Jesus and she repeats the words of Martha. She says, she says Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would have lived. This is the time when Jesus says, bring me to him. Bring me, bring me to Lazarus. And they show up at Lazarus' grave and, and Jesus calls out. Says, Lazarus, King James says, Lazarus, come forth. Come forth. Lazarus, wrapped in grave clothes, comes jumping. Like, I was, my dad owned a funeral home. Like, that never happens. Like, if that ever happened, I would never, like, I, I, like, I, like, growing up, you know, other kids, like, helped their dad on the farm, like, like, I'm not, like, you, it wasn't my great experience, you know, like, like, I, I had a friend that I would get in the car with after high school, like, we get in the car, and we would commute together, her parents own a chocolate shop, and right next door is my parents' funeral home, and, like, she'd go make chocolates, and I, I would go lift heavy things, it was not like, 
not the greatest experience growing up, but I never experienced like a Lazarus experience. And the, the Bible says that Lazarus comes out leaping and jumping. Like he's, he's, all, he's alive and the people are excited. But then like there's this, there's this parentheses in Scripture. There's this, this sort of this, this, this moment of pause where like it goes from Lazarus is risen, everybody's super excited, to the Romans and the rulers are trying to kill Jesus and Jesus runs away. And it's really weird because you would think, like, he just raised someone from the dead. Like, people would protect him, and he would be able to stay where he was. But, but instead, he runs off to, an, to the wilderness, to the, to the desert lands is where he, he hides. I don't know if it's ever felt like this for you, but there's been moments in my life where I, I knew God was present. Like, like, I knew God was in that moment, and he had intervened in that moment, and yet, just, just like the next day, it seemed like his voice was gone. Like, like it seemed like God was so present and so real, and, the, and then just at the blink of an eye, it's like, where's he, where's he gone? Has he left me again? What's the purpose of this? I want you to know the very next verse in John chapter 12, so the very first verse of John 12, tells us that even though Jesus had left because of circumstances, his heart never left. Mary and Martha never had an opportunity to, to worship him or praise him. They never had a, a chance to say thank you. They, ne- they never had a, a moment where they could say thank you for, for raising our brother from the dead. But he comes back in verse 1 of chapter 12. It says this, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany. It was on his agenda to return. He comes back to Bethany where Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised, uh, uh, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. I wonder what would happen if, if you ever had another chance to tell God thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you may have been delivered. I, I would imagine in a room this big that there are some folks that have been delivered from some pretty incredible things. I, I would imagine in a room this size there are some people that are, that are desperately hoping God would do something great in their kid's life. Like maybe there's some grandparents in the room that are just on their knees interceding for some grandkids that are making choices that are foolish. Or, or maybe in this room there's some children that are praying, praying for their parents that God would, would, would mend a relationship, that God would heal. I, I wonder what would happen if you ever had the opportunity to thank him for what he's done in your life. We see it in the next, in two verses later in, in John chapter 12 verse 3. Mary therefore took, took a pound, it says, uh, of expensive ointment made from pure nard, uh, ox nard, pure, pure, pure nard, pure nard. It's, a, it's a flower from the Himalayas and basically they've distilled this flower down into like a resin. So we're talking about like a pound of very expensive spice tar resin. And she anointed the feet of Jesus with it and she wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This, this, this woman, 
she, she, she gives Jesus something that's expensive, something that can't even be found in the Middle East. I, I don't know if you've ever bought like a, like a good gift. You ever, you ever buy someone a, a good gift? Like a good, so you guys know the love languages? Like there's the five love languages, Gary Chapman, that if you, anybody read the book? Okay, if you haven't read this book, you need to read it because it's good for your marriage, good for your kids. Okay, the, the five love language, and my wife and I, we read through this five love languages, and we were reading through this book, and I, I figured out what my love languages are. Like, my love languages are pretty simple. Um, like, for me, it's just like affirmation, uh, you know, not like words of affirmation, and physical touch. Can I get an amen, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Come on. And uh, like, somebody's like, he's in the word. <laughs> like, uh, uh, but for me, like, like there's, nothing, there's nothing that does it quite for me. Like when my wife is like, baby, you just did so good. Like when I get done preaching, she's like, man, you look so hot up there. Like, like everything you said was amazing. People's faces were melting. It was like the power of God was in the room. Like, like when she says that kind of stuff, I, like, I just, I'm like, wow. Like I can take on the world, right? There's words of affirmation. And, and, and physical touch, like, 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 like just touching me. Like, like, I'm a hugger. I like to hug people. Uh, I, I like to touch people. And I know for some of you, that makes you super uncomfortable. You're, you're like, ah, no touch, no touch. Um, but, but, but for me, like, like, I like to touch. But there's something that communicates to me when, when, when somebody touches. It just says, like, I, I love you. I, I, I love you. Like, just touch, just touch on the shoulder, on the back, pat on the back. My, my wife, when we got married, I just assumed her love languages were the same as mine. So I'm like, baby, we can, we can do words of affirmation and touch all day for the rest of our lives. It's going to be amazing. Then we read this book, and I discover that her love language isn't words of affirmation. Like, she appreciates it. It's nice, but that's not even her thing. Like, like hers isn't even physical touch. And it's like, no. <laughs> for her, what, the way she receives and gives love, it, it's, it's gifts. It's, it's gifts, gifts giving, gift giving and gift receiving. Somebody's like, ah, oh, that sounds really needy and like super high maintenance. Not at all, actually. Like my wife's not high maintenance at all. It's just that she receives love through gifts. And so I had to learn as a, as a, as a young married man that, that if I was going to tell my wife I loved her, I wasn't going to do it by chasing her around the house trying to grab at her. Like I wasn't going to tell her I loved her that way. I was going to tell her I loved her by, by going to the store, something I never do, because in my family, we didn't even celebrate birthdays. You know, we didn't celebrate nothing. We just, because we, we, we were poor, not because we didn't believe in it. <clears throat> and I, I had to be intentional. I had to go to the store, and I had to go buy something that she would love to have, but she would never spend the money on herself. Doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be something they, they would like, but would never buy themselves. That's a good gift. And and so that's, that's what she's doing. And so in this passage, we find that, that Mary is, is some sort of a, she's giving gifts to Jesus. Some sort of a gift, this, 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 this perfume. It's like the one thing she's got is perfume. And so she, she gives him a whole pound of nard, which doesn't sound pretty, but the Bible says it smells amazing. In fact, the Bible describes her gift as a family heirloom. Like this is not just something that you would, this is not, not Jakar Noir that you like spray on yourself. This is a family heirloom that you pass from generation to generation. The, the, the Bible describes it by saying it was $30,000 worth of value. 
So we're talking about an expensive, a very expensive gift, and she dumps it out on his feet, and she rubs her hair in it. She rubs her hair in it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Because the way I was raised, I was raised that you waste not and you want not. I was raised when you see a moose dead on the side of the road, you pick that piece up, you carve off what's still good, and you eat it. I was raised, you don't shoot Tweety Birds, because if you do, you're going to eat a Tweety Bird. Like that, That's how I was raised. <laughs> and so for me, when I look at this passage, I'm like, that's a real waste, because there's going to, like, it's supposed to be a family heirloom. Like, like you're wasting. And so in the future, you're going you're gonna to miss out because you're wasting. But, but the truth is, there's more than one way to waste things. There's more than one way, and I would say one way that we can, we can waste is, is just by being simply uh, being lazy with our time and with our talents, like, like being, being, being casual with the gifts that God has given to us. We can waste those gifts. We can, we can discard the gifts that God has put in our life. The, the Bible says this in Proverbs 6, verse 10. It says this, uh, just a little sleep or just a little folding of the hands or just a, just a little rest and poverty will come on you like a thief. It's a scarcity like an armed man. Just All it takes is just a little sleeping, just, a, just a, little, a little resting, a little folding of the hands, a little closing of your eyes, and the next thing you know it, poverty has, has attacked you like an armed man. Like, like we can waste our lives by being very casual with our lives and very lazy with our lives, but we can also waste our lives by holding tight to the things we have and being stingy with our lives. Like we, we can hold on to everything every dollar we ever make and we can work every hour that the sun is up and we can we can give it everything we got but the truth is at the end of the day that's a life wasted the truth is you're going to waste your life one way or another you're going to waste your life by being lazy or you're going to waste your life by overworking and holding on to everything you got. You're going to waste your life. And what I would say is this, why not waste your life for Jesus? You're going to waste your life. Like at the end of the days, you're going to say, I wish I had more time. I, I wish I spent more time with my kids. I wish I had more money. Like, I wish I had like less money. I don't know. But, but the point is, like, why don't we waste our lives for Jesus? There are certain things that we do that create an atmosphere in the rooms we stand in. This woman opening up this perfume and, and putting it on the feet of Jesus creates an atmosphere, creates a setting. It, it changes the ambiance of the room. And I would say that there are things we do that change atmospheres. I would say, husband, when you come home, and you're upset because the boss wasn't kind, and you take it out on your kids, you are creating an atmosphere in your home. 
I would say, wife, when, when you're frustrated about what your mom told you on the phone and, and you're taking it out on your spouse, I'm saying you're creating an atmosphere in your home. I'm saying, same woman, and when you, when you decide to turn on some positive music and say, I'm going to have worship in my home, and, and we're just going to, like, even though things are tight and even though things aren't great, like, it's going to be a house of worship. I'm telling you, you create an atmosphere in your home that your kids catch, and inside of them there's this connection that says, there's something in this house. In this story, it just takes one person. It, it, there was disciples. There was other people in the room. But it only takes one person to recognize that your life is going to be wasted. At the end of your days, you're going to say, I wish I had done more of this or less of this. But it just takes one person that says, I choose to waste my life. I choose to waste the things of value, the, the energies, the talents, the, all the treasures. I waste them on Jesus. One person can change change a business like like one person in a company that creates an atmosphere can change the company one person in a household that chooses to create an atmosphere in a household will change the household and one person in a church service in a dead dry church service one person that says I just choose to worship God for all the good things he's ever done for me I choose to worship him for the things he's done the things he's not done yet because he's good changes the atmosphere changes it just one just one person but there's still the elephant in the room and that's this she wasted thirty thousand dollars on somebody's feet and rubbed her hair in it come on somebody when, when pastor travis asked me to speak this this message was on my heart immediately and I don't know why, but when I drove up, I just wanted to throw this out there because I, I felt like it maybe gives some connection to why. There's, there's always someone that sees all the, the things the church are doing. They're like, man, you're just throwing money at a new building. Like, you're just throwing money at these screens. Like, what, why are you throwing money at a, at a nice, nice drum kit? Like, we don't need that. We had a nice plexiglass one that looked ghetto before, and it worked just fine. Like, <laughs> Somebody else's great-grandpa once made it, like the, the pulpit. Like if somebody's grandpa handcrafted that pulpit, why do we got to buy a new one, right? Like, like there's always this, at, this attitude that creeps up in the church. Like, like why are we putting on to the front of the foyer of the church? Don't you know our church already has a massive foyer? That's a waste. Don't you know we could take all that money down to the humanitarian society and do something big with it? Because people don't say it, but people think it. Like, why are we buying new chairs? Don't you know the old pews from the church down the road that just closed? Like, we could just put them in here. I want you to know that what you're thinking, like, for those of you that have thought those words, like, those are biblical words. The idea that, yeah, it could be used somewhere else more effectively. That's a biblical concept. But it's not a good biblical precedent to stand on. Because it's in the next verse. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii, $30,000, and given to the poor? 
I, I'm saying, for, for the, like, if you're struggling with inside, you're like, why is a church, like, why is it trying to be excellent? Like, why do they have this confidence monitor in the back? Like, don't you know it worked fine 30 years ago without all that? What I'm saying is, like, like you have great biblical precedent for your, for your thoughts that, like, you should just go give it to the humanitarian society. But your biblical precedent is Judas Iscariot. But you, don't, but you don't understand. There's, there's stuff that needs to get done. Yes, there's stuff that needs to get done. And Jesus addresses it. Like, Jesus, you're not going to out-Jesus Jesus. He's got it figured out. <laughs> He's got it covered. Verse 6, he says, he said this. He said this not because he cared about the, or it, verse, it, he said not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had charge of the money bag, and he used to help himself. To what was put into it. You know why, you know why Judas was, was upset about the money? <clears throat> it wasn't because he really cared about the poor. It wasn't because he cared about the poor. He cared about the money because the money was being used in a way that he didn't consent to. Can I, can I possess this? Can, can, can I bring this to you? That like that contributing to like some sort of a cause, so long as you are in full control of where that money goes, is not the same thing as a giving heart. Not the same thing. He, 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 it says that, that he, he was really upset because he wanted to be in control of the money. One of my mentors says it like this. He says, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always control. Judas is thinking, waste not, want not, waste not, want not. Like, don't you know we, we could use that money for something more importantly? We, 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 could, we could use it for something better. But Mary understood something that's similar, but it's different. She, she understood this, that if you waste not, you worship not. Like, like if you don't waste it, you aren't worshiping. Like if it doesn't hurt, it's not like, like when you waste it, it's worship. I would say for the person in this room that you've been questioning, am I wasting my time living for the Lord? Like, is, is this just a waste of my time every Sunday morning coming in here and raising my hand with a bunch of people in superhero outfits? Like, <laughs> when they told me you guys were going to be in superhero outfits, I was a little concerned because I was in San Diego a couple years ago, right in the middle of Comic-Con. There's, there's nothing more devastating than a grown man walking around in his 14-year-old brother's Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> nothing fits like it's supposed to. <laughs> but you think like, man, I'm just waiting. I could be out there working my field right now. Or I could be out there taking care of my cows right now. Or I could be in the office just putting in a few more hours right now. And I want to say this, like, you're right, you could. But waste not, worship not. Like, like, it is okay that you're sacrificing some time that is valuable for the things of God. It's good. It's good. The, the, real, the real sort of the, the, the dichotomy here between Mary and Judas is Mary's a worshiper and Judas is a thief. And so the wrestling inside that we feel like, like I don't want to waste a thing. Like I want to hold on to everything. I don't want anybody getting in. Like I don't want it. That's a thief's heart. But a worshiper's heart says just take it all. Like, like every bit of me. Like, like the Apostle Paul says. He says at the end of my life I want it poured out like a drink offering before God. My entire life before God. 
Jesus, he addresses the issue. He says this, <clears throat> verse 7. He says, leave her alone. <laughs> you ever say that? I'm a parent of three kids. I say it all the time. <laughs> leave her alone or you're walking the rest of the way. He said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for, for, my, for the day of my burial. Another translation would say, she's preparing me for the day of my burial. Jesus said, leave her alone. She understands things you don't understand. And the next verse, he says this, for the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. The answer to the question of, isn't there more appropriate ways to spend money than on a new addition? Like, isn't there more appropriate ways than spending, like, why do the Sunday school kids need goldfish? Like, that doesn't make, like, let's, let's just, like, they, they don't need snacks at church. Like, 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 here's the deal. The real answer is this. The problems will always be with you. He says, the poor are going to be with you always. He says, the reason she's done this is because she understands something about the future. That you have to prepare for the future. That you have to be there. Like you have to have vision to be able to get to the future. And you can sit there and you can worry about the poor all you want. Like the poor are important. And in our church we take care of the poor. And I know you do too. But problems are always going to be there. What I'm saying is your family is always going to have somebody with a health issue. What I'm saying is, you're always going to have a car that leaks oil in the driveway. <laughs> problems are always going to be there. That, the problems aren't the hard thing to find. Like in our staff meetings, I don't let us talk about problems because I'm like, hey, we just want to talk about good things. Problems take no skill. Problems, problems, are, problems are always going to be there. Any single people in the room? Single people, put your hand up high. Up high. Up high. Now, now look around. Look around. That, that's, that's what we're working with here. That's what we're working with, all right? <clears throat> Let me tell you something, single people. Listen. doesn't matter who you marry, they're going to have problems. They're always going to be problems. Problems are always par for the course. Problems will always be with you. The struggle's always going to be there. There's, there's always going to be more need. Jesus says... She understands some priorities. She, she understands something a little different. It's about priorities. Perhaps the things that to us seem beneficial to Jesus are wastes. Perhaps the things to us that seem wasteful are to Jesus beneficial. There will always be that big important thing you've got to get done. You always gonna have a field to plow. All my farmers said, "Yes, Lord." Am I like I'm in Rupert? I'm figuring you guys run run machines, right? Like like you always gonna have you always gonna have yogurt to make. Got any yo play people? I'm trying to work a crowd here. Chobani, let's see. Look at that. I just started a fight. In the house of God. <laughs> You're always going to have that big thing that needs to get done. You're always going to have that, but you don't always.
always have a moment to worship God and waste your life on the things that matter most. You're always going to have a chance to waste your life on things that don't matter at the end of the day. But you will never, like, like every time you have an opportunity to worship, it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to worship God. So, waste not. You don't worship. Waste not, worship not. Maybe what Jesus considers waste, the world considers worthy. But what Jesus considers worthy, the world considers waste. Mary understood that Jesus was her priority. He was the reason for everything she was doing. Can I say it like this? You're responsible for wasting your life on the right things, but you're not in charge of it. Like like I could say it like this, you are entrusted with everything, but you're entitled to nothing. Your job is to simply pour your life out before the Lord, not to tell Him how to do it. I wonder if there's anybody else that when... When you were like Mary and you began to pour your life out before the Lord, that there was a moment when you recognized that as you were pouring the things that meant something to you before God, whether that was your time, maybe it was a prayer that you were just pouring out before God, that you recognized that that there was an exchange that happened with Mary. When she poured her oil out before the Lord, just a few days later, he pours his blood out for her. Like, like this is not a one-way exchange. It's it's not just a a one-way transaction. We waste our lives for him, and he has absolutely wastes his life for us. I want you to know that for us, that you know, the, the world says that for those that don't believe, it's, it's just a stumbling block. It doesn't make sense. But for those of us that have been saved, that have been set free, that have been delivered, like, it, like there's just one thing I want to do with my life, and that is to waste it for Jesus. Like I just want to take my life and give it to the Lord. Like if he wants my time, I'm giving him my time. If he wants my money, I'm giving him my money. If he wants my energy, I'm giving him my energy. If he wants me to preach, I'll preach. Like, like I'll do whatever I want, like what, whatever he wants. I'll waste my life for his efforts. Waste my life for it. So if you're in this room today and you're in the band, you can go ahead and come. But if you're in this room today and you're thinking, man, why do we even gather on Sundays? Like that, that seems like such a waste. Like we could be doing other things. We could be, we could be really changing the world. Like I agree. But the truth is, if you waste not, you worship not. Why do we go to church on Sunday? Listen, here's why. Because if you were like me and you were spiritually dead and you had no hope in this world and Jesus found you, that's why you go to church on Sunday. Because there's a hope of glory that rises up inside of me at the very first song and I begin to sing praises to God knowing that he's there to meet me every time. He's there every time. What about investing in the lives of other people? Don't you know that's just enabling them? Like sometimes, yes, but the truth of it is sometimes people don't need necessarily a handout, but people definitely need a hand up. Like, like investing your life in somebody else, it matters. It's not a waste. Like, like getting involved in the stuff that was on the announcements, it's not a waste of your time. At the end of your life, you're not going to say, man, I sure wish I hadn't packed so many Christmas boxes for little kids. What you're going to do is think, dear God, did any of them poke themselves with a fish hook? 
even legal. Maybe getting connected to one of the groups or the ministries that's in this church, like, it's, you think, but you don't understand, like, like, I already go to church one day a week. I don't need to be getting around these people more than one day a week. <laughs> Lord knows I already have community. It's my family. Dost thou not remember that thine family is mostly the problem? Get around people who have the aroma of worship. If you're discouraged, get around people that are encouraged. Like, get around it. Get, I'm telling you, get around it. It will change your life. Waste your life for Jesus. You don't understand. Like, Pastor Travis wants me to pray. I just don't know if I can pray. Like, that just seems like a lot of, that's a, that's a tall request. It's not a waste. To put a time on your calendar and on on your phone, you know how you can put a specific spot, like a location? Put a time and a spot. You need a slot and a, if you're going to pray, you need a slot and a spot. You need a time and a location. That's the only way things get done. It's not a waste of your time to take five minutes out of your day. I understand you got stuff that got, got to get done. But it is not a waste of your time to go get in your car and get a hold of God for five minutes. It's not a waste of your time. It's not a waste of your time. And if maybe you're around this church long and you're like, man, they're always asking for people to serve and get involved. It's because it's not a waste of your time. They understand something. That if you can unlock your God-given ministry, like unlock your God-given reason for being here, your world comes alive. Like it's not a waste. It's not about having people give coffee. It's not about people shaking hands. It's about lives that are transformed by digging into all the that God has for them. That's what it's all about. And so today, I just want to say, you can stand with me. It's not a waste. Everything you do for God is not a waste. You're wondering if what you're doing is really worth it. It's worth it. Every drop of, of prayer is not a waste. Every dollar that you give towards missions and towards this church is not a waste. Every time that you take care of kids in a Sunday school room, it's not a waste. Every time that you set aside time to pray and get a hold of God, not a waste. Every time that you responded to, to the Lord's call in your life to 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 receive forgiveness from somebody and you go to them and you apologize. That's, that's not a waste. Every time that you feel the Lord say, you need to forgive them and you let somebody off the hook that doesn't deserve it, I'm telling you, it's not a waste. Every time that this band is up here giving it everything they got and you throw your hands up towards heaven and you worship God, it's not a waste. It's not a waste. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us 
Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.